You're listening to the Fantrax Podcast Network. Fantasy Sports Entertainment lives here. Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Yeehaw! We're in Dallas, guys. We're in Dallas, baby. We're recording from our hotel room. Yeah, I'm not going to join in in the accent. Courtesy. We're here in the Southern accent, two nobody, episodes in a row. Nobody has an accent in Dallas, is what we No, realized. it's actually really disappointing because I've been really excited to hear the Dallas accent. I, it doesn't even feel like we're in Texas because the it nobody really does has an accent. Other than like the love for bourbon and bacon, I don't feel like we're in Dallas whatsoever. Yeah, everyone, I'm currently in a state where I'm just so full. I'm just so full. We're from, so full of barbecue and beer. Yeah, I can't. It's been so great. I can't put anything else in my body. We've had the best time here, though, Dallas. I'm trying to convince Michelle here to move yeah, to Dallas. Yeah, well, I, I like it, but not enough well, to move. We'll see. Um, we've had an awesome time. We are here courtesy of the Hyatt Regency um, courtesy of Fantrax, who brought our butts all the way down here to Texas, um, just to support us and support our brand, support the Fantrax brand, which is so awesome. Like we are brand new. Yeah. Episode 17 right here. Um, had an awesome time. We came down here for sports con. If you haven't heard of it, uh, it is literally like the sports convention it used to be the fantasy football convention. So we missed out on that a little bit last year, but um, had a really good time last night. We did draft night out uh, with Eat Sleep Fantasy with um, Sleeper Wire. They were amazing. I won a Devontae Adams jersey. He was my first round pick. Yeah, we just missed out on that Juju signed football. It was real jealous. We could have traded it straight up. I but said Kate no. really wanted that Devontae Adams jersey, which is fine. It's fun. It's nice he was my up. first round pick. So we did a live draft. It was super fun. It was amazing. Um, in our, our team, we had Nate Hamilton, uh, Keaton of, uh, the fantasy tilt podcast. We had a lot of really good people at our table. So we were super stoked. Um, those teams are going to be up on sleeper. So I can't wait to kick y'all's butt. Good luck, everybody. Um, but Dallas, you've been super welcoming and we are super, super stoked. Um, we spent a lot of time at, what was that place? Trinity cider. Yeah, Gotta too much time it. at Trinity Cider. Oops. Yeah, but you guys have been amazing. And guess what? We've got an amazing guest for you this, to reward you. I had a lot of fun with this interview. I did too. One of our more unique ideas. So we've got Ross Tucker. You can follow him on Twitter. At you can follow him on the Twits. Ross Tucker, NFL. Former offensive lineman. Just actually left Sirius XM Radio. For a mystery project, which we don't quite know yet. We tried to tease it out of him. Yeah, we, we couldn't get it. No. It's okay. It's okay. We'll learn soon enough. He's a good guy, though. Um, so today we're going to be talking offensive line because we had an, a former NFL offensive lineman. Hello. Um, and we're talking about some running backs. So, guys, Ross Tucker wants to block for. That's sick. He had some really interesting perspectives on it. And yeah. I'm excited for you all to listen. 
Absolutely. But first, we're going to get into some news and notes. Breaking news. Breaking news. This first news item, it hurts. Melvin Gordon, he wants a new contract. He's going to hold out. That is the word on the street. Uh, Melvin Gordon, he wants a new contract. We are worried that it could be like an a la Le'Veon Bell situation. I think oh. that's the only reason why people are nervous right now because of what they Bell just did got year. burned. Yeah. So, I mean, there's really three options here. It can go three different ways. Gordon could get his new contract. Gordon okay. can get traded. Mm-hmm. Or Gordon doesn't get traded, doesn't get his new contract, and he holds out. Which I think his agent actually said he would be willing to hold out into the actual NFL season, which is just sort of trouble for him. Because, like, it's not like Le'Veon Bell, he wasn't under contract. It doesn't really affect him. He just, he never signed his franchise tag. There's no penalty but if you're under contract for an nfl team and you just don't it's like you not showing up for work right like that's a problem i couldn't imagine that he'd be willing to take the fines <sighs> but at the same time i mean bell i did. think he's only making five million this year yeah, like you be- take bell, into account fines bell was okay with missing out on all those millions of dollars every game so i don't know see what i was originally thinking before any of this news came out is that Melvin Gordon would play one more year, and then I thought he would get signed somewhere else. I didn't think the Chargers would be the team to give him that big contract. So now they're in this situation where they don't really – there is no plan B right now. That's the issue is that the draft already happened. Free agency already happened. They weren't making plans for his absence at all. Yeah, so are you going to pay Melvin Gordon, who's been not reliable because he's been, you know, He's been mostly reliable. He's been hurt a lot, a lot. Always been. He's been hurt a lot. But here, hear me out here. All right. So this is why I think Melvin Gordon is actually going to get paid by the Chargers this year. Okay. And it might even be a deal where they utilize him this year. They might utilize him next year, trade him for the life of his contract, or maybe there's some contractual out that allows them to trade him with minimal dead cap. I don't know. But. Philip Rivers does not have all of the miles left on the tire. He's not like a brisk 24 years old, right? Yeah. He's, he does it like that championship window for the, the San Diego chargers. Holy moly. <laughs> Let's time travel. It doesn't even sound right anywhere, which is weird. It doesn't. The, the Los Angeles chargers, that Super Bowl window, I think is closing. Like they've got a stellar defense right now. You've got, a lot of great offensive weapons there. You've got Philip Rivers. If Philip Rivers is going to make this happen, I think you need a running back like Melvin Gordon. I think the rushing game did suffer without him last year. It's not like he's ever been the super efficient rush, rusher either. Like when you look at pure rushing ability, that's not where Melvin Gordon makes his money. He makes his money as a pass catching back, but even with Justin Jackson, with Austin Eckler, you didn't see that same sort of efficiency. So what if they go all in, they give him this contract, and then they still don't win the Super Bowl? Then you just put your franchise back by giving this running back a huge contract. That, Or if he gets healthy again this year, which is not unrealistic, I don't know. I think we just saw a team get really burned by giving a running back a huge contract. And that's what's stacked against him right now is Todd Gurley just got paid and... Now they have to manage his reps on a pretty... I think the team likes Eckler more than we're giving him 
credit more than we're giving them credit for. But he is not the pure rusher. But like, we have to remember Eckler was hurt last year too. He was trying to play through the injury, but he was not a hundred percent. It's not like we got to see what he could do at a hundred percent. He was struggling as well when Gordon was out. I, I, I hope they pay him. I don't think it's the smartest thing for the franchise to do. And I think that we could see a trade happen to where the Buccaneers, if they're willing to pay. I don't think they are willing. They don't have a ton of cap. It's all going to come down to what Melvin Gordon wants. If he's willing to take a realistic deal, he just wants that long-term safety. He just wants that long-term contract to make sure he has some safety there. Then maybe he'll get a, a contract, but if he wants to be the highest paid running back in the league, that's gonna. He also said he wants to be with the Chargers. I don't know if that's sort of like a. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell said he wanted to be a Steeler for life. So things you sound change. Salty. Things change. Sound salty. All right. Anyway, Darius Geis. Um, word has come out that he is suffering a hamstring injury that may may uh, influence his time in training camp. Yeah. Don't love that. I mean. I think we just said this on the podcast last week that when you are recovering from an injury like that, you don't really know how your body's going to react to that sort of, you might be a little bit more dependent on different muscle groups because of that injury. And now we're seeing it. So guys has come out to say like, there's no reason for concern. I'm not touching him. Uh, In 2019 redraft, I am not touching. And I'm just saying that I had a dream that Adrian Peterson was going to lead the Redskins in rushing touchdowns like a month ago. And I, I feel like that's that's realistic. Yeah. I think Thank AP, you. I, I, not even just from this news. I think that's what we're all worried about with Geis is that AP is going to steal the goal line work and then Chris Thompson can steal the passing work and then... Uh, I mean, Geis' upside is really tapped, and then with his injury concerns... You sign AP to a two-year deal with a one-year out, guess what? That's literally your time that you're giving Geis to recover from his ACL. And I think they need to give him that time, because he's going to have these hamstring issues. He's going to have these soft tissue issues with trying to recover. He had an affection, didn't he, Like when he was trying to come back? I do believe, because everybody kept saying, like, what surgeon are the Redskins utilizing? Yeah, so it's not just... It was just like a bad string. Like, you had the Alex Smith, you had the Darius Geis, you had... I'm pretty sure he had to be on, on like, IV antibiotics, much like myself a few weeks ago. (laughs) So it's not like he got the normal recovery. Yeah. It, it, It was... Very much delayed. So it's not like, oh, well, it happened a full year ago. Oh, no, the recovery got very much delayed. I don't, I'm worried about him. Same. I'm not drafting him. NFL suspended Jets tight end Chris Herndon for four games for violating the league's substance abuse policy for a DUI. Yeah, everything where he is a sleeper option and... Nope. No. I he mean, might be a dynasty by oh yeah, right now. By low. And I would still take him in dynasty startups. That's fine. Uh, but for redraft. Don't draft him. No, you can't you hold do- on to a Chris Herndon for four weeks on your bench. No. And you can't draft PSA. Do not draft anybody who is suspended for four games, period. Well, like if Tyreek Hill gets suspended for four games, you're still going to draft him. Late. Well, he's going to, yeah, I mean, it's going to, we'll have to have right, that we'll conversation about, later. Yeah. But <laughs> it, it depends on who you are, but you're not drafting a Chris Herndon, a tight end that was already a sleeper that you were just hoping to break out next year. And I really do like his talent. I think he can have a good season once he comes back, but you're not wasting four weeks of a bench spot on a backup tight end. 
because um, obviously you'll have to drop another tight end. And they have a week four bye, so he's like you have the three games, Ooh. then you have a one game, so, so he's not coming back till week six. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. That's a problem. Don't draft him. Nope. But again, maybe this is a buy low opportunity. I think he's going to appeal to lower that suspension. But I'm going to be honest. After reading the details of this DUI, yikes. Yikes. Like, I I wouldn't count on this being lowered. I realize it's a first offense. It was a pretty bad first offense. I could see it going down to two games. I feel like they like to make it bigger just so they can go back down. But either way, even if it's two games, I'm still not drafting him. Raiders signed Josh Jacobs to a four-year contract. They finally got that worked out. That's good for them. Very good news. Yep. If you like Josh Jacobs, then that's very good news. Yeah. So he'll be in. He'll be in camp. Good for him. Yeah. Todd Gurley says his knee is good. I'm just like, hey, we're trying to find out in training camp. You know. I'm like, it's always been a lot of talk around this off season, and it's just like, hey, it's the off season. That's what everything is supposed to be about: speculation and reporting. I could keep going. <laughs> Don't. It, nothing came of this. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. If, if you pick him, I did in the th- at the 305 and Scotty Fishbowl, and I'm holding That's my breath. That's a steal. It's a steal, and I'm going to hold my breath because I have no idea, and we're not going to know, and we won't even know in the preseason. We're not going to know week one. We're not going to know week two, week three, week four, week five. He can look amazing, and then everything that happened last year can happen again. That knee can flare up at any moment. So every The week- interesting thing is that MJD, who sort of has like the in with these situations, I think they have maybe the same agent. Am I mistaken? I have no idea. Um, so he's already projecting that Todd Gurley's total touches is going to go down to like 16 per game. You're used to like the full workload, which is what makes him so valuable. Obviously, he's got the end zone the rushing attempts. He's got everything that you want. Yeah, and if they're going to just get, use him more in the passing game, I'm okay with that. Like, if he can be a Camara, see that type of workload, I think he'll be fine. Camara's going at, what, the 104, 103 sometimes, and he's never going to be used as that 250 rushing yep. yards and 90 receptions or whatever. So I do think Gurley can still be great. Uh, his value does go down because of the risk. Like I just said, in week 10, his knee could flare up and then you don't have him anymore and then you're really screwed. So you're just going to be holding your breath the entire season. And I have a feeling owning him <laughs> is not going to be fun. You're just going to turn blue. But it can be a huge reward. It's just not going to be fun during it. But if you hold that trophy at the end because he killed it for you, then you'll be happy. You will. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know how high I'm I'm willing to take Daryl Henderson, who we met today. Oh, we did. Yesterday. We met him yesterday. Super nice guy. He was adorable. Yeah, he was super cute. He, you could tell he's shy. He's, so, he's young. He's probably he was like, like a giggly little, little yeah, guy. I nice liked him dude. a lot. He was a nice dude. I'm actually rooting for him now that I met him. I'm like, that was a nice guy. Yeah, I wish I didn't pick Todd Gurley so I could root for him <laughs> a little bit harder. But no, he was a nice guy. I'll root for him. Don't worry. We told him that all of your fantasy teams rest on his shoulders. He was super pumped about it. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo said he's good to go for the start of training camp. Does not expect to be placed on the PUP. Great news. Yeah. I I, I was never thinking that was an option. So that kind of scares me that that was being considered. Well, it's not like he, he tore his ACL before the season. He, no, he, but it was week three. I just feel like that's a really long recovery for a quarterback. Like, I feel like 
Watson was just good to go last year, and that was even much later in the season. I'm just surprised that that was even a question, but I, I'm happy to hear that that's not the plan, and he's healthy and he's good to go. That's good news for Kittle. That's good news for Pettis. That's good news for He's going in the Coleman. 12th round right now. 12th I, round. I like the pieces in San Fran, but for some reason I don't like the Jimmy Garoppolo. So you like everybody that he's throwing the ball to, just not the guy who's throwing the ball. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I, yeah. It probably doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because you've got three valuable pass catching running backs. You've got Dante Pettis, who I know you like. I love Dante Pettis. Yeah. You've got George Kittle, who we all know you love. <laughs> I love George Kittle. I just think his price Stop is a little it. high. I like blasphemy. George Kittle a lot. I just think his price is too high. It's blasphemy. We all know what she does. But I might need to look into this, Jimmy G. I might have him too low. I'm acting I like think this you Jimmy, do. Like I the, don't know who he is. <laughs> this <laughs> this jump. Jimmy G. I have him low, and I do like a lot of his pieces around him. So I might have to reevaluate that. I think that I, would be best. I just feel like not that I have him super high. I think I have him around fifteen or so, but I still think he's worth higher than where he's going. I think there's guys with more upside, so I think he can be a safe choice. Okay. I don't think he will lose you many games, but I just can't picture him as someone that's winning you a lot of games either. Okay. So that's why when he's going around guys like Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins, I think they just have a little bit higher upside where they can actually win you weeks, but they're going to lose you weeks too. So <laughs> it just depends on how you like to build your team. That's all. Okay. Risk averse versus high upside. I toggle with that decision every single year i tend to play more risk averse because see i go full in with risk i I don't care i like going in i i would say i am a healthy 65 percent risk averse and a 35 percent risk i feel like creating a safe enough floor is important but then giving myself some room for Room for boom. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I, oh my I, God, I feel like that's a new segment coming room on. For boom. Room for boom. I like it. All right, Michelle, are you ready for a very special guest? I am. Are you sure you're ready? Um, let me think. Uh, I am. Let's go. Let's go. Russ but first, a- but first, yeah, we're gonna hear a word from our sponsor. Oh man, Ross can. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just... Ross can. Everybody, please welcome to our show a very special guest. You caught us on his podcast, Fantasy Feast, last week. Please welcome Ross Tucker to the show. What up? Is this Michelle or Kate? This is Kate. Kate. Yeah, this is Kate's sister. <laughs> Dude. For anybody who did not did not catch that bit on Fantasy Feast, literally, even obviously you're a fan of Fantasy Feast, but like even if you weren't, you would obviously have to tune into this specific episode. So okay, so it's funny too because I was explaining it to my wife the other night after after we did the show, and you know I think everybody because you guys have the same last name, I think everybody probably initially assumes that you're sisters, right? 100%. Okay, yeah. okay. So, thinking, so then when I said, where are you guys from? And you said two different places. That should have been my first clue. But then I just thought, <laughs> then I just thought cousins. And then when I said, um, what happened after that? So, oh. I think we I, said I, oh, we're married. I said, I said, no, and then you said, so I didn't hear that. When you said we're married, I didn't hear that. So then I said, um, 
oh, so, uh, oh, no, I said you guys are cousins. And you said, you said, no, we're wives. Yes. Oh, that's, that's, that's how that happened. And so that's like a new thing, right? To like, I'm, I'm not that, uh, you know, I, I haven't been around that many people that say we're wives and have the same <laughs> last name. So my, as soon as you guys said that, my initial reaction was, wow, that is so cool. These girls married a couple Pittsburgh dudes and they realized <laughs> they both love fantasy football and like they're the coolest sister-in-laws I've ever heard of in my whole life. And then you're like, no, Ross, we're married <laughs> to each other. I was like, oh, 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 oh. We had to intervene so early. I guess saying wives is a weird way to say that. I could have just said we're married and that would have been a lot easier for everybody. Well, yeah. So when you say we're wives, I didn't. Like, I, I, I guess I, I just thought of that, you know, it's kind of an, uh, still kind of a new thing. So like, I guess I just thought we're, we're wives of the people whose last name was originally Majuke. Cause we were already like talking about the Majuke stuff. So like, when you said, yeah. So when you said we're why, I, I just thought, Oh, you're not, neither one of you is really Majuke. You married into being Majuke. <laughs> like that was, that was kind of, that was where the confusion was from. So, um, yeah, anyway. well, everyone needs to go tune into that if you haven't listened. It's yet actually to that the episode. best two minutes. Yeah. Of- <laughs> Just watching <laughs> your realization. That was great. <laughs> oh, I feel like, so we're not recording this in person, but I felt like I could literally physically see your brain churning and like the gears <laughs> moving, which was well, really fun. You never you, get to do that. I was telling my wife how awesome you guys are. I'm like, oh my gosh, they know everything about fancy football. They love craft beer. When I go to Pittsburgh, they're going to take me to some, like, cause you know, you guys don't understand. Like in my life, I like in some order football, my family, friends, beer pong and IPAs and or double IPAs. Oh, and eating like those, <laughs> that, those are my six things. Like that's it. Yeah. So me too. for you guys to be all over beers and IPAs and craft beer, like I'm, I'm all about it. Oh yeah, you're you're gonna have a good time in Pittsburgh. We'll we'll show you the ropes because Pittsburgh can be a pretty fun place. Uh, we've got all the best stuff. But Ross, we've got a fun podcast for you today. But before we get to all this Pittsburgh stuff, we're gonna talk about some offensive lineman jazz. So for it. those of you who don't know, Ross Tucker, former offensive lineman, Redskins, Cowboys, Bills, Pats, Browns. We love the Browns. Um, so Ross, I gotta know, cause obviously we're talking fantasy football here. I want to talk about running backs, right? I want to talk about the relationship that the offensive linemen have with their running back. I want to hear, um, we want to get some insight from you as to like, how does that juice work? Cause I, I, as a Pittsburgh fan, I remember the moment that Lev Bell showed up with, was it those nice watches for his offensive linemen? Is that what it was? Because yeah. he's like, you know what? You're blocking your ass off for me. And it, it was like, you guys got that special bond. So uh, tell us a little bit about your career, Ross, and and sort of what led you into um, like broadcasting in the media. Yeah. So I'll give you the quick story, which is that my dad is 5'9", 170 pounds. I grew up an hour west of Philly as a big Eagles fan. I actually wanted to be a broadcaster growing up because when your dad's five nine a buck seventy, you don't exactly think <laughs> NFL offensive lineman is in your future. So I was a very, very much a late bloomer. 
uh, which is why my my offers for college were William and Mary, Delaware, Princeton, and Harvard. And I thought, gosh, if I go to Princeton or Harvard because of football, like I got to go. Um, so I went to Princeton and uh, just kept getting bigger and better. You guys will appreciate this as a freshman D end. Okay, I was a defensive end as a freshman. Started a couple games actually. I was probably like two sixty. Christmas break, freshman year of college, we came home. And this is 1997, eight, like New Year's Day was 98. We got a keg of Yingling every of night because that's what you do where I'm from. And then we would go to the diner at like 2 a.m. I went back to Princeton in mid January. I was 284. That is a fun break. I gained like 20. I gained. I gained, it was the greatest break of my life. Anything you could do, we did in every way. I gained 24 pounds. They were like, <laughs> what did you do? I was like, I don't know. I just was lifting a lot. Yeah, lifting right. a lot of beer so, to your um, mouth. Yeah, 12 ounce curls. That, that's why they, um, that's, so that's why they moved me to offensive line. Anyway, got bigger and better and got signed by the Redskins as a rookie in 01 and made the team and all that stuff. Ended up playing seven years, five teams, journeyman, started like 24, 25 games. It was great. It was a temp job. I got cut like three or four times and traded once and hurt and whatever. I was mainly like the next guy in at center and both guards. But like I said, got a chance to start a bunch of games. But what's weird is when I was a player, I would just do internships like with Roger Stallback's commercial real estate company in Dallas or Merrill Lynch when I was with the Redskins in Buffalo, because I always knew football was a temp job. I kind of got away from the media thing just because every guy says they're going to be in the media and the top jobs go to like the Hall of Fame caliber dudes. So I was like, nah, I went to Princeton. I'm <laughs> supposedly smart. Like I'll do something else. And then the NFL had a broadcasting boot camp. I went to it just for the heck of it. And thought, this is 2007, the first one they had. And I thought, you know, if nothing else, maybe I'll work in finance and just do the Princeton games on the radio. Because I got to do something football because I love it. And it went really well. And I ended up getting hurt in training camp. I went on IR. I bruised my spinal cord on the wedge on kickoff return against the Ravens. And football career was over. And media career kind of started right away. And haven't looked back. I've got a couple businesses like Go Big Recruiting, which is for high school athletes. Uh, MyFrontPageStory.com, which is basically the greatest gift of all time. One of you should get it for the all other right, one. MyFrontPageStory.com. Trust me. And then, uh, you know, all the, all the media stuff. The podcast business was total luck. ESPN hired me to write for them. And they said, will you host our podcast? I said, sure, I'd love to. Literally had no idea what a podcast was. It was 2009. Oh, that's like original podcasting days. Yeah. So then it was the only podcast in town. So I'm doing the podcast for three years. And we were getting like 90,000 listeners an episode back then. And we started to get advertisers. And so then I went on my own and I got some of those advertisers to come with me. So everybody wants to start a podcast now. And, and you uh, you guys have unbelievable traction. You're doing a terrific job. But I tell a lot of people now, like, good luck, man. Because if I try to start a – like, if Ross Tucker tried to start a podcast now, it would be very difficult to get listeners or to get traction. But I started a long time ago and I had a built-in audience basically – from ESPN that helped tremendously. So that's kind of the deal. And uh, I, you know, I, 
People can check me out on Twitter and stuff at Ross Tucker NFL. I will say this though about blocking because I know we're going to get into running backs. This is something that you guys should know because I I played for several teams where we had multiple good running backs, but most of my starts were in Buffalo when we had both Travis Henry and Willis McGahee. And the thing that people don't understand is, or, 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 or almost don't believe, I never even, like, I didn't look behind me in the huddle to see. Like, so you I, had I, no idea who was running behind you? No idea who was in at the time. No. That's wild. Until, until after the play, like, I might notice him in the huddle, but at, or after the play, I'd go help him up or whatever. I'd see the end of the play, right? But I, it, it was not, it's not something that you change what you're doing. The blocking scheme is the scheme. You block how you block. Now, I will say this. Willis was a little more patient than, than T. Hen was, right? So, Would like, you Willis, call him like a Lev Bell sort of? Willis was a Lev Bell light. You know, okay. he had an unbelievable ability to just kind of like stop, start again, take his time, and then even if there wasn't much there – fall forward for like three or four yards. Meanwhile, Travis was going to hit it up in there where he was supposed to go so hard that you better not have your hand out or your arm. He's going to run through it and break your freaking arm. Like you bet. Like he just ran. They they were actually a good compliment to each other because they just ran very differently. Uh, Travis is just like ridiculously strong for his size. I mean, just unbelievable. I mean, he's like a state wrestling champion in Florida and stuff. Uh, but yeah, they, they had different styles for sure. But I never really looked behind me to see who the running back was because it didn't really make a difference, right? Like I got to block the guy, I got to block, and I got to hold on to him and and block him as long as it takes not no, no matter who's behind me. So people are always like amazed by that, but I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm tired, dude. I'm bent over. I'm listening to the play. I'm not looking behind <laughs> me to see who the running back is. So you had two pretty good running backs though. And Henry and McGahee, do you think like someone on the giants offensive line with Barkley and then Wayne Gellman comes in? Do you think they kind of eye to see like, okay, is Barkley in the game or not? Because that's a pretty big difference. Well, that's a good point. And, it's one of the things that's interesting. So I really like Saquon Barkley. I follow Penn State football. Uh, I've met him multiple times. He is an unbelievable young man. Unbelievable. But his running style is such, I noticed this at Penn State more than the NFL, he had a lot of lost yardage runs. Yeah, you know, there's definitely that. some feast or famine to his game. And like, for example, Basically the same offensive line the very next year, Miles Sanders, you know, who the Eagles took in the second round. And he's a guy that I think is going, what, between like rounds four and six maybe in, in most drafts out there. Um, we can look that up. But at any rate, Miles Sanders is a guy, he only had one loss yardage run. Last year, I guess he's going in the seventh round in a lot of drafts, but um, he only had one lost yardage run last year at Penn State. And, wow. and, and Saquon probably had, had to have at least 20. So Saquon's more likely to hit a home run, and he is a phenomenon, athletic phenomenon that we've rarely seen. But 
you know, there are some negatives to his game in terms of trying to bounce stuff outside as much as he does. Like the, the, it would be important, I think, or you try to have a better idea whether it's Gallman or Saquon. Because if it's Saquon, it's much more likely he bounces it outside. And you need to make sure that if you feel the defender going outside, you let go of them so you don't get a holding penalty. Right? So you want to have your hand inside because if he bounces and you're still holding him on the inside, if that side judge sees you restricting the defender's movement at all as he tries to work back outside, you're going to get a penalty. Yeah, and I'm totally with you with Barkley losing yards quite often. I felt like in the beginning of the year, I really saw that where it seemed like he was either breaking away for 10, 20 yards or he would lose yards. I do feel like he maybe got a little bit better as the end of the year. I thought he was going to struggle more when he was getting more carries, but he actually was doing pretty decent. But I totally noticed that in the beginning of the year for sure. I wonder if they changed up his style at all, the coaching. But um, I'm He actually like- did lead the league in breakaway percentage. So like most most of his yards came on like those big chunk plays, like the biggest percentage of his yards came on, I, I think the metrics like, 15 or more uh, or 15 yards or more. But so it kind of plays to that point, right? Where you, you either go big or go home. And sometimes, sometimes you go really big and sometimes you, uh, you, you go home. Unfortunately, it's kind of like, it's kind of like Barry Sanders in a way. And, you know, when you have a lost yardage run, it really makes it hard to get a first down. It really makes it hard to sustain that drive. But obviously, They'd rather take him than not. I would just say for me, so here's how I would describe it. If if Saquon like makes a dude miss in the backfield or bounces it outside and runs for like a 60-yard run, you don't really get credit for that as the offensive lineman. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's like that was Saquon doing crazy stuff. Whereas if you just block the play the way it's supposed to and Zeke or Derrick Henry or somebody pounds it up in there and gets 10 to 15 yards, they're like, great job, O-line, great block, way to, way to make that hole so he could bust it up in there. And you get credit for that. But the opposite is true. You do get yelled at if he's trying to make a big-time play in the backfield and instead – he ends up getting a tackle for loss. You know, then it looks like you're you're the idiot and you're the one that gave up a tackle for loss. Well, and I, I imagine that's just sort of a tricky thing in general, especially when you have guys that do move sort of laterally. It's the same thing with quarterbacks, right? It's I feel like it's so much easier to watch your offensive lineman get penalized when you have a guy who's moving around the pocket and moving outside the pocket. And um, it's sort of the same thing with running backs. You You just don't really know where... Uh, you got to be super aware of where your guy's moving and, and know when to. Yeah, it's kind of like Watson last year got sacked 62 Ooh. times. I don't think his line was that bad to get sacked 62 times. He's just the type of quarterback that holds onto the ball probably a little bit longer than he should or tries to sneak away when maybe he should be just throwing away the ball and that's why he's getting sacked. But all right, we're, we're going to get into Houston's offensive line a little bit later. Teaser. Um, so we just want to go over. So, Ross, we sent you sort of a list. We said rounds one through one through three and then four through six, seven through 10. We want you to give us one guy who you as an offensive lineman would love to block for. 
Maybe they utilize the blocking schemes well, um, able to create yardage sort of outside of those blocking schemes. Um, those guys that are going to make you look good and make your job a lot easier. Get you that big contract. Yes, get you paid. <laughs> Tell us uh, rounds one through three. Who would you want to block for out of this out of this crew? So if I could only pick one, I think I would. Go, I love Zeke Elliott and his game. I love Christian McCaffrey's game. It just would be fun to have a running back as big as Derrick Henry. Like that dude is huge. Oh I've my seen God. him in person a couple of times. But if I could only pick one, I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell. And I say that because he has a knack for really letting his blockers go to work and really letting them get into the double teams, push the defensive lineman black. He gives the offensive lineman a chance to do their job better than any running back out there. Now, we'll see if the Jets' offensive line can do as good of a job or if he's getting hit in the backfield because the Steelers had a top-five offensive line pretty much every year that Le'Veon was there. But I'm going to go Le'Veon Bell because I like his patience. I like him letting me uh, let, letting me get to work up front with the double team. Well, and also you don't have to worry about him, you know, sort of slamming into your backside while you're trying to – you know, develop these blocking schemes. Some, sometimes you got to sort of match up with your guy and you got to make those adjustments. Um, yeah, Lev Bell's the kind of guy that uh, I don't know how he does it because I feel like it's got to be terrifying being in a backfield, just waiting for defensive linemen to plow through your offensive line. But like he does it. He looks so fearless, just waiting for the holes to develop. And then he slides through them like I don't, is melted jello a thing. Sure. Is that a thing? I don't know. Melted jello. Melted popsicle just like sliding through the line. It's a it's a beautiful thing. I'm going to miss that very much so uh on our our Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Best of luck, Love Ball. Although um the PFF offensive line rankings for 2019 came out. They have the New York Jets ranked 28th. That is a it's going to be a big difference for him, but I still think he's going to be a solid running back, and I think he'll prove to everyone that he deserved the contract, even though I'm happy that Pittsburgh didn't give yeah. him it. And, I think that's a good way to look at it. And you know what? He's he's evasive. Um, I think he was number five last time he played, uh, ranked fifth and evaded tackles, um, fifth in yards created, so you know, like yards outside of your offensive line. Um, so that means he's doing a lot of this work himself, too, which, you know, that... That's got to feel good as an offensive lineman to block for a guy that you know you're not doing all the work. Um, so let's go to rounds four through six. We, there are a lot of mid-range guys in here, but there were two interesting ones that you pointed out when we sent this over. Rounds four through six in fantasy football, we did uh, half PPR ADP. Who would you want to block for? So uh, I, I love Philip Lindsay. And I love his style of play. And I was an undrafted free agent. So I kind of like the undrafted free agent route and, you know, the hunger that he plays with. And I love his speed. But I'm going to go Darius Geis. I feel like a lot of people are forgetting about Darius because he fell in the draft for whatever reasons. He got injured last year. I I get a chance to broadcast the Army All-American Bowl in San Antonio every year. He was the MVP of that game. He was incredible. And even at LSU, I mean, when he was a sophomore, 
and Leonard Fournette was a junior, I thought Geis was the better running back. I mean, he runs angry. He's like the proverbial rolling ball of butcher knives. I love Geis' <laughs> style. I love his personality. I love the block for that dude. He does. He seems like sort of this goofy guy. And I was a little like, I, I think everybody was a little puzzled. It seemed like um, maybe at the combine, like there was some interview stuff that happened that maybe made him fall a little bit. Cause everything you saw on tape showed you this pristine running back who you, you definitely want playing behind your line. But um, you know, I feel like we were sort of robbed of his rookie season here. I think it'll take him some time to get back from the ACL tear, but I'm very excited to see him in 2020 fully healthy. And he's definitely going to need a, a healthy offensive line um, in the Redskins. They had a rough, rough go of it in 2018. So hopefully some of these guys can get back in the game and um, be healthy because if he is going to find success coming back off the ACL right away, I think it's going to live and die on that offensive line. So. Um, those American heroes behind the lines. We appreciate that. Um, and then Ross, last but not least, rounds seven through 10. There's some late round values here. And uh, you also had some interesting responses here. And I want to pick your brain on this. Um, who would you want to block for? So I wrote down Jordan Howard, Miles Sanders, Adrian Peterson. I already kind of told you why about Miles Sanders. I just think... He, he's, he's got a real nice feel for the game, vision as a slasher, and I was impressed with what he did at Penn State following up Saquon Barkley. But Jordan Howard and Adrian Peterson are interesting. Uh, the thing I like about Adrian Peterson, first, he can still play, but it would just be cool to block for another Hall of Famer. Like, I blocked for Emmett Smith, and that was pretty cool. It would be cool to block for Adrian Peterson, a guy who's still capable. I was on the sideline for that Redskins-Eagles game where he had like a 90-yard touchdown on Monday Night Football last year. So he can still go a little bit. I think that'd be cool. And I just like – I like uh, – Jordan Howard to me is a very poor man's Zeke Elliott. But it I say that in the sense of what I talked about earlier with Zeke, hitting it in there, be, being a banger, hit it up inside. I think offensive linemen just always appreciate running backs with that kind of style. And they do say that he's going to be probably bound for some goal line carries. So that'll come in handy on that Philadelphia Eagles, uh, you know, behind that offensive line, which um, they've got a really good unit there. So I think he uh, I, I've been rooting for Miles Sanders to get the uh, the full time job. But I think Jordan Howard's going to have, unfortunately, for my Miles Sanders shares in fantasy football, I think he's going to have some success now. Again, looking forward to 2019. I want to pick your brain. Tell me one offensive line you think will make the most improvement from 2018 to 2019. That's easy, and that's the Buffalo Bills because they were not good last year, and the amount of resources that they devoted to the position. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Just veteran free agents, Quentin Spain, Jeremiah Searles, Mitch Morris was the big ticket guy. I'm a big Ty and Secchi fan. They also got La Adrian Waddle, John Feliciano, Spencer Long. I mean, who does that? Six veteran free agent offensive linemen, and then Cody Ford out of Oklahoma in the second round. I just think with all those new bodies, they're going to be able to find five guys that can play at a pretty high level. And they're also going to have depth in case those guys go down. Even just a right side of Ford and Inseki would be 
awesome. And they already had Deion Dawkins, who did some really good things, you know, in his second year last year. So I think the Bills will be much better on the offensive line. That makes me so happy because for some reason I'm really high on the Bills offense this year and I love Josh Allen. I'm really excited about Devin Singletary coming in as a rookie. I think if they can keep Josh Allen clean, uh, he can get the ball to his wide receivers that are new now. I love John Brown going there. And when he was clean, he wasn't that bad at throwing the ball. His completion percentage was so bad throughout the year, but it was up to 66% when he had a clean pocket. So we need this line to really come together and I am rooting for them hard. Now, who is your pick for a a running back in on the bills offense? Is it Devin Singletary? Is it old man, Frank Gore? Is it LaShawn McCoy? Who's your guy? I guess if I had to pick one right now just for this year, I'd still go LaShawn McCoy. You don't but sound don't, excited yeah, about you, it. Yeah, you don't sound happy. No, I don't, I don't feel great about it at <laughs> all. But um, he's making a lot of money. He's still there. And I think the offensive line will be improved. And he still has an unbelievable gift of making people miss. I actually live uh, not even a mile from his high school, probably like I could walk to Bishop McDevitt high school (laughs) where LaShawn went and is obviously a legend around here. Um, but man, he's up there in years. I felt like I started to see some drop off in play last year. So it makes me a little bit nervous, but you, I mean, you're not giving me any other choices, so I'll take them. I love Devin. Singletary. I I like Devin Singletary. So I know he doesn't have like the, the traditional comps, but I do think with, with an offensive line that can block for him. I think he's got some nice vision, so he might be able to find some of those holes in the O-line. I feel like us fantasy players just always get excited yeah. for rookies, though. Who knows? He could be terrible. Oh, he could totally <laughs> be terrible. But I'm still on the I'm still on the hype train. Um, let's jump off the Bills hype train because we've been we've been conducting this one for way too long. Um, discuss one offensive line with us you are nervous about. Lost pieces, hasn't put them back together. Well, I mean, there's several here. I could go Arizona Cardinals. I could go Miami Dolphins. But we already kind of talked about it. It's the Houston Texans. I mean, I've never seen anything like this where a team can have an offensive line that's that bad and then really not do anything uh, that appears to have improved it for this season. I mean – and that's probably why they don't have their their general manager anymore. I think that's probably the – the last missing piece that they were like, all right, Brian, you're out of here. You know, you would think that, but it seems like they just wanted to hire Casario from new England and then realized they couldn't. I mean, cause I would have thought the exact same thing that you did, you know, Matt Khalil, that's kind of just a hope and a prayer at this point. And then the two rookies they took Titus Howard from Alabama state, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois, Man, that's asking a lot to have them come in and play right away. I was stunned that they took Titus Howard in the first round. And I just, man, to me, that is, that's a big, big gamble. And the reality is there's going to be a lot of pressure for him to play right away. And I don't think coming from Alabama State, he's going to be ready to play right away, which means he could go out there, struggle, lose his confidence, and you could basically wreck a first-round pick before he even really gets started. And you've got that franchise quarterback back there that you have to protect who took 62 sacks last season. 62. He had, what was it, week five, a partially collapsed lung, broken ribs. Like, he was getting hammered last season. And you would think with the flashes he's he's shown with the 
um, progress they made last season when he, he started to look a little bit more healthy that you would be like, you know, making all the calls you can to get as many pieces as possible to protect that guy. No, I would agree. Now, to your point earlier, I did feel like a decent amount of the sacks were on Deshaun Watson, but in fairness to him, he was also able to run around quite a bit and make some tremendous, tremendous plays for his team that, you know, it's like you got to take the good with the bad, right? We used to say it about Bledsoe sometimes. Oh my gosh, Drew really holds the ball. Well, sometimes when he held the ball, he then threw like a 70-yard bomb to Eric Mould for a touchdown, and it was sweet, right? So he, sometimes you have to be willing to take the good with the bad. I'm just surprised that, you know, you've got a guy who's had some injuries, he's in his third year, and you're putting him in this position yet again. Absolutely. I like I like where we're ending that off because I do like, I like the Texans. Deshaun Watson is actually Michelle's quarterback one. And fantasy football this year. Just look what he did last year. And it was, I don't think the line could get worse. Maybe it's not going to get that much better, but he did all that with broken ribs with two wide receivers that he was planning on having being injured. So I just, his upside is massive. It's massive, but you know what, Ross, we're going to, we're going to let you go here shortly, but we're going to keep you for one more second. We're going to play a little game of rapid reaction. Michelle, kick it off. We want your first uh, first thoughts, like it, you're, you're allowed to use more than one word. I'll give you. Yeah, you can use more than one word, but the first things that come to your mind. So I'm going to start it off with offensive rookie of the year for 2019. Oh, um, Hollywood Brown. Oh, wow. That's a surprising Fascinating. one. Okay. Okay. He would be like my last option, but we'll talk about that another <laughs> time. Uh, better career. I'm guessing I know your answer from this. Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen? Who will have the better career? Hmm. Now you did just do a Bill's radio spot, so don't mess this up. <laughs> but- no, you know what? This is, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to Say Lamar Jackson. Oh, I uh, I think that's in part because I got a lot of faith in Greg Roman, who is the offensive coordinator now for the Ravens. I just wrote a very long uh, Twitter thread about Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, and I am on the Josh Allen side, but it's good to have both sides here. So you're going with Lamar Jackson. I, I'm rooting for them both. I think they both can be good. I think they'll both be better next year. All right, next one up, Drew Bledsoe. You already kind of hit on him. Awesome. Uh, paid for all the Labatt Blue and Labatt Blue Light in Buffalo. <laughs> um, first year, he gave us plane tickets anywhere you wanted to go. So when my wife and I got married and went to Hawaii on our honeymoon, it was paid. The flights were paid for by Drew Bledsoe. Wow. The next year, he gave us like. Motorola Droid Razors when that was like the coolest, <laughs> awesomest phone ever. Like it was like a flip phone. It was amazing. It was my first phone I ever had. And yeah, it was 500 bucks back when like you could get phones for free. It was 500 bucks. We got it before anybody. And he paid the tab unlimited minutes for wow. a year. The two funny stories about that are after I got the phone, I called my mom. And my mom answered the phone and she says, hello, hello. I'm like, hey, mom. She's like, oh, hi, Ross. I'm like, why would you answer the phone so weird? She said the caller ID said D blood cell. (laughs) 
I was like, I was like, yeah, mom, Drew Bledsoe's yeah. calling oh, you. That's um, huge. And, then, and then, so all my friends knew about, you know, my phone and that Bledsoe was paying for it. I think he forgot about it because he ended up paying the bill unlimited minutes for like three or four, maybe even five years. Is he years. still paying your phone bill? No, but like in, in 2008 or 2009, I get a phone call and it was from his mom that I guess was helping him, you know, handle some of this stuff. And I thought it was one of my buddies messing with me, but the voice message was like, hello, Ross, this is Barbara Bledsoe, Drew's mom. I'm calling uh, because I'm I'm helping Drew with some things. <laughs> and I just want to let you know that that the gift of the unlimited minutes that's that's over now <laughs> oh. um so but but we don't we don't know your social security number so we're not able to take drew's credit card off of the account <laughs> and so i called her back i was like don't worry about it i got it i'll uh i'll take it but i'm just telling you right now there's the I know for a fact there's a couple of guys that never called her back, oh, never took it off. It all. sounds he, like he didn't I'm, uh, I'm, manage his money very well. <laughs> well, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident he had to just rip that credit card up and get a new one because some of those guys are probably they got the message from Barbara Bledsoe and just laughed, you know. But I'm not like that. But it was just it was funny. Yeah, that phone call sounds about as awkward as the first five minutes of our appearance on Fantasy Feast. <laughs> <laughs> The bottom line here is everybody listening needs to know two things. One, that Michelle and Kate are awesome. And two, you need to listen to Fantasy Feast podcast with Evan Silva all the time, but especially the episode with the Majuke girls because they were really, really impressive with their knowledge and i was very very awkward <laughs> at the start of the conversation to the point where i guess people know about it now but it, it'll almost be more enjoyable if you listen to it knowing it's coming oh out, yeah for sure uh <laughs> uh to finish up here i wanted to go with drew bledsoe's backup at the time jp losman um he didn't pay your cell phone man. bill no. Uh, Are you trying to be nice here? Is it a struggle? I I am I'm struggling to be nice. He had really nice hair. <laughs> okay, okay, that totally works. Really nice hair. He tanned easily. Uh, is well, another positive. Damn, hand. he sounds really nice so lucky. Um, Willis McGahey. <laughs> um, funny, very very talented, uh, and and really proud of him to be able to come back from that devastating injury in the Fiesta Bowl to still have such a successful NFL career. All right, and we got two more here. 2019 Super Bowl champion. Who will be? New England oh, Patriots. Come on, surprise. we cannot handle that any more of that. Don't do that to us. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I just I just say that every so year. So you're always, always right. Like I, so so I, I don't try to be I don't try to be creative or you know, oh, I can't believe you picked them. I like to be right. And so if you pick the Patriots, as long as Brady is still breathing, you have a better chance to be right than if I picked any of the other. Yeah, you have about teams. a 99.9% .9 chance to be right. That They'll at least be in it. Um, and then the last one, Evan Silva. What do you think about Evan? Um, <laughs> Evan is, in my opinion, the number one fantasy analyst in the world. 
he is – I mean, like it will be game seven of the NBA Finals in the fourth quarter, two minutes left, and Evan's tweet will say that Cole Beasley's depth of target was 7.2 years – 7.2 <laughs> yards last year rather than 6.8. Like the guy is all in, all day. He is – I mean, you guys love it. He really loves it. I mean, he – I don't know. He, I, he must put in 16, 18-hour day. It's crazy. He he listens to – I bet you he'll listen to your podcast now. Any fantasy podcast he listens to, like he just – he has a voracious appetite for fantasy content and knowledge. And that's awesome. And if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, as um, some like Smurfs calendar told me when I was growing up. Um, everybody, <laughs> thank you so much to Ross for coming on, coming on our show, having us on his show. Be sure to check out um, RossTucker.com for all of his uh, podcasts. They've got the whole Ross Tucker family of shows. Um, follow him on Twitter at Ross Tucker NFL. Um, Ross, you recently left Sirius XM and we can't obviously reveal what your big exciting announcement is, but everybody else has to stay tuned with us for your next big project because we're all very excited to see what you're doing next. Congratulations on your new opportunity. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, um, it should be announced in the couple, next couple of weeks here and I'm really looking forward to it. I don't know if everybody else will think it's a big, huge surprise, but it's a new job for me, so it's big and huge to me, and it's it's an opportunity I'm really excited about and can't wait to be able to announce it to everybody. Absolutely. Well, stay tuned. Everybody follow Ross Tucker. Uh, thank him on Twitter for having us on and check out a show, Fantasy Feast. Bye. Bye. Bye.